Welcome to the official podcast of the Hoffeld Group. Your host is the CEO and Chief Sales Trainer of the Hoffeld Group, David Hoffeld. Welcome to the Science of Selling podcast, the place where you get actionable sales insights that are backed by hard science. And I am David Huffold. I'm joined by Carl Polson. And Carl, I have an interesting question for you as we kick off today's podcast. And that is this, when you think about the purchases that you've made over uh, the last few months, let's say, any interesting purchases uh, that you made in that time frame? Where to start? Um, I think I am responsible for probably 90% of Amazon's revenue. Um, so I, I, I have a lot to choose from. I would say, though, my number one most interesting purchase recently is I'm a huge dog lover, uh, have two rescue dogs, and I love walking them. In Minnesota, as it's starting to get nicer and nicer out, one thing that I recently purchased so I could walk both of them at the same time is a waist leash, which you tie around your waist and then it kind of connects to the dog's collar. Or, wow. Or, um, so you can kind of be hands-free. And it is the nerdiest looking purchase <laughs> I've probably ever made. I'm sure when I walk by people, judging by their faces, they're like, this guy is something else. Um, but in terms of, of my ability to maybe take calls while I'm walking my dogs or even just be able to, to kind of in, not have to have, you know, both hands full with, with two dogs that are yeah. you know, a little crazy. Uh, it's great. What about yourself? What's the most interesting purchase you've recently made? Let's see. I think maybe uh, in the last month or two, a really, you know, a really interesting one um, was I bought a sauna, uh, an no indoor way. sauna. Um, yeah, it's, it's really neat. So the reason I, I bought it, um, it, it was because I'm trying to get more science-based in a lot of areas of my life. I think a few podcasts ago, I talk about some of the changes I've made in my diet and how that's impacted my productivity. But uh, in reading some of the scientific research just on how to be more healthy, there's some really compelling data on the benefits of sauna use, particularly as you as you age and just the impacts, uh, very big impact that can make on not just blood pressure, um, but also mortality rates. Um, the more you use a regular sauna, so I mean, it gets hot in there. It, it'll get 190, 200 degrees um, in my sauna. So I'm not, not in there for that long, but um, I've, I've had it for, oh boy, about a week or so. And uh, it's great. It's kind of a fun way to just decompress at the end of a day is usually when I use it after I work out in my little gym and and uh, but yeah, the reason I bought it was just because the science is overwhelming on the health benefits of using a sauna. And so I thought, you know what? Why not? And hey, David, uh, so I, I had no idea you were a sauna fan because I absolutely love saunas. Oh, do you? Back when, back when, you know, um, COVID-19 wasn't a thing, mm -hmm. I would go to the sauna um, every single day. Wow. And it was one of the things where you just said it, you could just tell the benefits over like yeah. consistent use. It was the most relaxing thing and probably something I missed the most about everything being so isolated and kind of working remotely. Uh, gyms, you know, are open here or there, but it, it's, 
it's one thing I miss so much. So that is so cool. Um, I'm going to have to ask you more about that. And I know today's episode is about why number two, why now? Mm-hmm. And for our listeners, uh, our last podcast episode was on the first why. So David, could you give a brief overview for anyone didn't that didn't listen to that episode about what the six whys are? Yeah, it's really important. In fact, I think these are understanding the six whys is will be a game changer in the way you sell. The six whys are six questions, each beginning with the word why that represent um, six years of, of research study that, that I did a number of years back, but leveraging over 50 years of research on top of that, that showed the impact of commitments, how buying decisions occur. So the six whys real simply are the mental steps your potential clients go through when making a buying decision. They're relevant in every sales environment because they're based on how our brains work not what you're selling. So the six whys, as a quick reminder, a why change, which we covered last podcast. Today, we're going to talk about why now. And then there's also a few more. Why number three, why your industry solution? Why number four, why you or your company? Why number five, why your product or service? And why number six, why spend the money? Now, these whys can happen at numerous times during the sale in a variety of different orders. They don't always come one, two, three, four, five, six. It'd be nice if they did, but unfortunately, when you're selling with people, uh, it's a little more messy than that. But all six of them matter. And here's why the big takeaway from the six whys is what the research shows conclusively is if one of these is not committed to by your buyers, they will not purchase 100% of the time. And I have gotten so many letters, Carl since um, both from those who have read The Science of Selling, the book, and also the many who have gone through our training workshops and virtual learning. And they they say consistently when they start applying the six whys, not only does it help them align how they sell with how people buy, sales cycles speed up, they're, they're able to speak directly to what clients need. And most importantly, it really helps them more effectively serve their uh, the clients they're selling to, and also help them earn more sales. So the six whys matter a great deal. And why now? Uh, what we're going to talk about today is really an important and really pivotal why. It, it's one of those things where you can be a great salesperson, but if you're not able to prioritize why now, your career is going to be a lot more difficult because how many salespeople, David, have, you know, we talked to where their inability to, to really create that sense of urgency with buyers leads to a great sale that turns into not being a sale. So I guess my question for you is, why does why now matter? Yeah, that's a good question because it really does. Um because when you when you've talked about maybe the need for change, like we talked about in last podcast, and often that why does come first historically until you create the case for change, uh, and until you talk about why they need to at least consider it, you're always being viewed as a seller as irrelevant in the buyer's eyes. If I don't want to make any change, why in the world would I want to talk to you about something I really don't care about doing? I, I wouldn't. But once you get past that, now why? 
why now matters a lot. In other words, why shouldn't they procrastinate? Last time we talked about the status quo bias. Our biggest competitor is the natural inclination all of us have and our buyers have to do nothing. So anytime there's uncertainty or a, a high level of risk, perceived risk, we'll default to nothing. So you got to, the status quo bias is really prevalent throughout the sale. And why now addresses it head on? Because even if I know I want to make a change, right? I, I need to do something. Why can't I wait as a buyer? Why can't I wait a week, a month, a year, two years? Like, why do I need to pursue this change now? And this is a big deal. In sales, we've always talked about urgency, right? Uh, we've always talked about how it matters a lot because we talk about something called sales time. What is sales time? A very simple concept that unless you're brand new to selling, this will resonate. And that is the longer it takes for the sale to occur, the less likely it is that it will. Now, people say, well, what about sales that have long sales cycles, six, nine, 12 months, two years, right? We have clients that have the sales cycles are not in months, but in years. And that's fine. Every sale is going to be a little bit different. However, every company on the face of the planet wants to speed up sales cycles. So if your sales cycle is two years, what if you can make it a year and a half? If your sales cycle is nine months, what if you can make it eight? Unless you're brand new to selling and don't know anything about that, that idea should excite you because if you can speed the sales cycle up, that's highly beneficial. So urgency always matters because you know the longer it takes for the sale to occur, priorities shift. People change, right? New initiatives come out, new pay plan, all kind of different factors that can be thrown into the sale that can alter how your buyers perceive it and when their priorities can shift over time. So in selling, time is not usually our friend. As many of our experienced listeners will know, you know, they've had sales that were going well, but they stretch out months and months and then new things come up, new people arise in the organization, and all of a sudden it gets put on the back burner. We'll address it later on, right? So why now is absolutely mission critical. And if we don't address this, as I mentioned a moment ago, our natural human default is the status quo bias and we wait. We don't move forward. So addressing why now proactively is really mission critical when it comes to how do you successfully sell? I couldn't agree more. And with my recent experience in technology sales, when you're selling into large organizations and you find you know, a champion to advocate for your product or service, like you were saying, the longer it takes to make that sale priority shift. Uh, I know most recently um, a colleague of mine, their uh, champion uh, took a new job um, at another company and all of a sudden the sale was gone. So why now is extremely important and something that no salesperson should take lightly. Um, how do you obtain the commitment to why now, David? Yeah, that's an important question as well. Um, why now is heavily linked with why change. And let me explain what I mean. We talked about why change in our last podcast, and we kind of talked about really understanding the problem that your client has and bringing that to their awareness in a, a deeper way, understanding you know the scope of the problem, the cause, 
And then getting into, we talked about a little bit last time, the pain of it. And that's really a key with why now. So these two whys are heavily linked together. In other words, the more, the stronger the case is for change, the more likely it is I want to make that change as a buyer now. The weaker the case is for it, the more likely it is that I'll want to wait. What's the hurry? Why? What's the rush? And so we really want to focus again on that problem and going deeper with it. In other words, what is the consequence of an action? So the problem that my product or service, my solution is going to solve for our buyer, right? So what is the problem? What, what happens if they do nothing or if they procrastinate? So if they wait a few months or a few years, what's the harm in that? Right. So making that strong business case and really helping them understand the pain that problem is having and the advantage of moving forward now versus waiting. In other words, why is it in their best interest them to move forward? I know as sellers, it's in our best interest. But when we talk to our buyers, what is the business case we can lay out for them that explain why moving forward now? is more advantageous for not. So in other words, what kind of stories can you share about past customers who maybe either didn't move forward and regretted it, who are similar to the buyer you're talking to, or didn't move forward and the benefits they experience? How can you talk about their problem in a way that reveals the pain it's causing and what happens if they do nothing? Having these kind of conversations and laying this out for buyers and getting their buy-in to why now by really focusing on the problem and not just saying, you know, you both agree, okay, we have an issue we want to solve, but what if we don't solve it? What if we wait to solve it? What happens then? And really helping them think through that because as I mentioned, our default is that status quo. Our default is to wait, to procrastinate. It's how we are as human beings. There is so much science and just our life history, when you think about your purchases personally, it's so easy. Most of the time when you consider a purchase, you don't make it. If you reflect on all the things you've considered buying, most of them you don't. You just procrastinate on them, especially when they're larger, more consequential decisions, right? It's easy to buy something on Amazon for $10. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about a big purchase where you need a salesperson to help you, those we we often, if there's any uncertainty or if there's not a compelling case to do it now, why not wait? Especially in the environment we're in right now, where a lot of companies are buying things, but they're also buying, they're, they're hesitant, right? They got to have a good case for why to do it right now. So addressing the problem, really making it hurt. And creating that urgency is absolutely mission critical. And the biggest reason I think that we don't really create a compelling case for why now as salespeople is we often don't address it. We get acknowledgement that there is a problem. We go, great. And we just move on and hope that something that we say or do in the sale will prompt them to want to do this now. But you got to remember the default is to wait. And so you want to go in with that mindset. Because oftentimes salespeople go with the opposite mindset and that the default is, you know, if I can show them my product and they like it, the default will be to move forward now. Not at all. Our clients will naturally wait unless you present a compelling case that shows them why it's in their best interest to move forward now. 
And what I love about that, David, is and throughout all of your wise and throughout your entire sales methodology is that goes back to putting yourself in the shoes of the buyer and really focusing on the buyer um, versus focusing on yourself as a seller. Everything in terms of how you approach why now is focused on the buyer and putting yourself in the buyer's shoes. Why now? So what would you say when you're working with salespeople, David, what's the number one killer of urgency and obtaining that commitment to why now in the sale? Yeah, that's a really uh, important thing to discuss as well, because there is a big one and it's a, it's a, a bias that all of us have. And this is what the number one killer of urgency in the sale is. In fact, if I could go back in time and talk to my younger self when I first got <laughs> into sales, this is one of those things I would tell me. Um, and the six wives would be another. But I would talk to myself about this because I, trying to serve my clients, would try to create urgency because it was in their best interest to move forward. But I also would trigger... Uh, this bias that we all have, and I would lose sales because of it. And no one ever taught me about what this even was um, because it's not in any of the sales literature. It's in the scientific literature. And it's the number one, one of the top killers of influence in general. And that is something called reactants. And I'll describe reactants uh, like this. Um, Carl, think about this. When you walk past the sign that says, don't touch wet paint, I mean, be honest. What do you want to do? Well, you know me, David. The first thing I want to do is touch that web paint because it tells me not to touch that web paint. Exactly. You're not alone. I'm the same way. In fact, <laughs> I've asked um, Fortune 500 CEOs the same question, and they some of them get really excited. They're like, oh, I want to put my hands in it. I want to touch the wet paint. But let's stop and talk about that for a second. When you touch wet paint, nothing good happens. I mean, you get wet paint on your hands. And if you're like me, you'll probably soon have it on your clothes as well. So you got to wash this off. In other words, all the outcomes that touching wet paint gives you are negative. You don't get anything positive from that encounter with the paint. Yet we all have the same instinctual desire. When, when someone says, don't touch wet paint, we go, oh, I want to touch it. Right. So what's causing that? And that's something called reactants, which is the bias I alluded to a moment ago. Reactants is the innate desire that occurs when any of us perceive that our ability to freely choose is being restricted by another person because good choice or bad choice, all of us want it to be our choice. And all of us, whenever someone tries to push us to do something, it triggers this react psychological reactance and we instinctively want to resist. We want to push back. We want to exert our independence, our freedom. This is how many wars have gotten started over the centuries, right? When when uh, a dictator or a government or a king says, you need to do this, and people go, oh, I'm not doing that, and they push back, and then there's problems, right? So reactance is something that's innate within us. No one taught us it. It's something we all have, and it's extremely impactful when it comes to selling because when you and I are trying to answer why now, we're trying to create urgency, which is good, Sometimes, even though we're not pressuring people, we don't want to ever do high pressure, be that stereotypical salesperson from the 1970s. None of us want to do that. But when we're trying to create urgency, sometimes reactance is triggered and it's not our fault. 
It's just the nature of urgency. Now, we need to say that reactance and urgency are two different things, meaning if I'm making a strong business case for why now and reactance is triggered, those are two different things. The business case stands alone. It's why they should move forward, why it's in their best interest. Reactance is the feeling that I, salesperson, am pushing uh, you, buyers, to do something. And then they say, I don't like when David pushes me to do something, so I'm going to push back. I'm going to resist. And this kills sales influence. And I can't tell you how many sales are lost because of this. Now, the good news is we know what to do. Just like there has been decades of scientific research on reactants, what it is and why it kills sales, there's also a lot of research on what you and I can do to neutralize it. And when you neutralize this, it makes your ability to answer and get a commitment to why now it takes you to a whole nother level. So what do you do? Let me give you an example. One study where researchers took their research assistants to a local mall and they had them ask those who pass by for money, right? And once they had a predictable closing rate, then the researchers had their assistants begin to intentionally try to reduce reactants by letting people they ask for money know it was completely up to them whether or not they gave. What happened was compliance went up by 400%. Now, am I telling you that if you reduce reactants, your sales will go up by 400%? No, but I am telling you they will go up. Every study and every time I've applied this in selling all around the world in all kinds of different environments, it works every single time because when you trigger reactants, it kills influence. When you neutralize reactants, influence always goes up and so does sales. So how do we do that? Let me give you some phrases you can use. When you can create that compelling case to move forward now, you can say things like, it's up to you or it's your choice. Now, you're not letting people off the hook. Remember, reactants and answering why now are two different things. But that means what you're doing is you're getting out of the way. So now the beauty of your argument, the beauty of the business case for moving forward now versus waiting will stand right and they can see it, whereas reactants blinds people because now they're looking not at the business case you've made, but at you, salesperson, pushing them to do something. So reactants gets out of them. I'll give you a real life example case study here. We had a client who has been my client now for Oh, wow. Uh, going on 11 years. Uh, when I first worked with them back in 2010, first thing I did was this. They had an incentive they would um, give to potential clients to try to help them move forward now. And so we came in and redid their whole sales process. But before I did all that, the way I got the credibility, because no one knew who I was back in, in 2010, I didn't have a website. I didn't have anything. I was doing a lot of research and applying it. But anyway, um, so the way I got into that client was I looked at their sales process and I saw they were creating reactants when they laid out this incentive. And so I had them use one phrase when they laid out the incentive. And it was, you can let me know if you want to use it. That was it. When they at, at said that statement, and nothing else. We changed nothing else in their entire sales process. That was all I told them, right? And what happened though, sales went up 39% from that one statement. And they were like, 
how thinking like it's voodoo or something. They're like, how in the world did you do that? Like, what's going on there? And I'm like, well, that's the power science can give. And I explained to them what reactants was, because once you understand that, well, the solution's pretty easy. If you don't understand that, good luck, right? It's almost impossible to figure it out, which is why no one in sales has figured out how to do this without leveraging the science. You're just not going to come to it on your own through trial and error, or it'll take a really, really long time if you were lucky enough to stumble upon it with the science so you get clarity. So I'd encourage you when you're going in and trying to answer why now and create that case change and doing it now, make sure you use phrases like, of course, it's up to you or it's your choice or you can let me know, right? To reduce reactants and that gets you out of the way so they can see that business case clearly and make a strong commitment to why now. I think that for our listeners today, it's really, really, really clear with everything you've just said, how important why now is to the sale. And in com- combining that with the other six whys, particularly why, why number one, um, really is starting to give our listeners a great framework into how success, how to successfully sell regardless of what industry you're in. So today's tips that you gave, David, I think are, are things that are actionable and things that our listeners are going to be able to utilize right away to increase their sales productivity. And make sure um, to check out in our in our description, uh, we have a link to David's best-selling book, The Science of Selling on Amazon, as well uh, to Hoffeld Group's website. And until next time, David, have a great, great, great rest of your week. We will talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Carl.